Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. Reformed theology, also known, of course, as Calvinism, teaches that God predestined some people to be saved while he predestined others to be lost. This teaching is also has also been called unconditional election, and it's based in part on verses like Romans 8.29, where Paul says that God knew in advance those who were predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and other verses like Romans 11 5 where Paul talks about the election of grace does the Bible support the doctrine of predestination was our individual salvation already decided before we were born the short answer is no in the sense you've just described unconditional election of the individual is not a biblical teaching in fact it's contrary to the Bible Uh, The apostolic understanding of faith, repentance, the pursuit of holiness, all that is directly contrary to the Calvinist doctrine of predestination. So let's break it down. Of course, the Bible does talk about predestination and election, but we have to understand two concepts very clearly. First of all, predestination relates to God's plan, not to an individual destiny. So yes, Um, God created humans to have fellowship with him. He saw that they would fall in sin. And so you might ask, well, why did he bother to create? Because he had a plan of redemption from the very beginning. And that's why in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, the lamb uh, was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So at creation, God already knew these people are going to sin. They're going to need a savior. I will provide salvation. That's predestination. That's God's plan. So we can say with absolute certainty, there will be a church. There will be a heaven. God's people will be in heaven. I don't care what the devil does. He cannot stop that. That's predestined. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross, that was predestined. That was going to happen no matter what. Now, whether an individual is going to be part of that plan is not predestined by God. So God does not decide before you're ever born, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, you have no choice in the matter. And actually, that's what traditional Calvinism teaches. That's contrary to God's word. So the first concept is God predestines the plan. God predestines the incarnation, the atonement, the church, heaven. But whether we are going to be part of that plan depends on our response to God's grace. So Ephesians uh, chapter 2 says, by grace are you saved through faith. Now, in Calvinism, faith is just a mechanical process. It's not something you have any part of. God just decrees, well, I'm going to save you by grace through faith, and therefore person A, I'm going to give them faith. They're going to be saved. Person B, I'm not going to give them faith. They're going to be lost. But the biblical understanding is God's grace enables everyone to respond. 
but we still have the responsibility to respond. And our response does not mean we deserve salvation or that we've earned salvation or we've done good works, but but we have taken the capacity of free will that God has given us. And even though that has been distorted by sin, through the atonement, God has given us the ability once again to make a choice. Now, I will agree with the Calvinists, nobody ever saves themselves and nobody ever initiates salvation. God is the one who saves us. God is the one who initiates salvation. But Titus 2.11 is very clear. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So the Calvinists say Jesus Christ died only for certain people, and God gives grace only to certain people. God gives faith only to certain people. Only those people are saved. The other people are lost. But the apostolic doctrine, according to the Bible, and Titus 2.11 is a classic example, God has given grace to everyone. Now, this grace does not inevitably save them, but this grace enables them to respond. Jesus Christ actually died for every human being, for the sins of the whole world. This doesn't mean every human is automatically saved, but it means Jesus paid the price and he's given them the ability to respond. And I do believe at some point in everyone's life, God reaches out by grace to draw them. Even people have never heard the gospel. They have a twofold witness in creation, according to Romans chapter one, and through conscience, Romans chapter two. If they will respond to what they know of God through creation and conscience, then God will continue leading them and they can be led into a, a truth where they can be saved. You see this in Acts 10. Cornelius did not know the truth about Jesus Christ, but he prayed according to what he did know. God sent an angel. The angel sent him, uh, told him to how to get in touch with a preacher. The preacher came, according to Acts 11, 14, to preach how he could be saved, how he would be saved. So he wasn't already saved, but because he did respond to God's grace to what he knew, God led him to a place of salvation. So there's a good example of how God's grace can lead. And so I believe God's grace goes to everyone. And so the classic Calvinist doctrine actually has five points. It's known by the acronym TULIP, T-U-L-I-P, which is, is maybe um, considered appropriate because this was formally uh, put together at the Synod of Dort, in, which is now modern Dortrecht, Netherlands, the home of the tulips. So two, T is total depravity, which simply says humans are so sinful, so evil, that they would never be able to respond to God's grace. You, uh, unconditional election. So therefore, the only way anybody can be saved is God just picks who will be saved with no conditions, not based on their faith, not based on their will, certainly not based on their works that he just picks. L, limited atonement. Jesus didn't die for everyone. He only died for those God preselected. I, irresistible grace. God gives grace to those he wants to be saved and they can't resist it. They have no choice. They don't respond. He just does it. And then P is the perseverance of the saints, which is also called uh, once saved, always saved, unconditional eternal security. Some people just believe this part, not the rest. But it means that if you are one of the chosen, you will be saved. You cannot be lost. No matter what you do, you cannot lose your salvation. Well, each of those points contradict Scripture. Total depravity, we do believe that humans are sinners, but we don't believe they're totally destroyed. We believe that through God's grace, they can respond. And so the answer there is what we might call prevenient grace or the grace that precedes salvation. I've already described. True enough, 
we would never be able to initiate salvation, but we are able to respond to God's grace. The you, unconditional election, no. And here's the the second point that I I wanted to uh, illustrate from the outset. So my first point was predestination is the plan. My second, not the individual, my second point was election is based on foreknowledge. So whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, Romans 8, 29. So here's the way it looks at it. God knows the future. So he knows what our choice will be. So God knows the future. He doesn't dictate the future. He knew humans would sin. Therefore, he designed a plan of salvation. Yes, he does know that we will respond. But whether we're going to be part of God's plan is not based on God's prior choice. It's based on our choice, which God foreknows. And I liken it to this. Let's say you're sitting at the top of a mountain. And you can see a valley and a road winding around. So you can see the travelers along that road. There might be an obstacle ahead that they can't see. Or that might, there might be a fork in the road. And you know one way leads to town, the other way leads to the desert. The travelers can't see that, but you can see the whole thing. Well, as they're traveling on the road and they take a left turn, you can say with certainty they're going to end up in the city. They don't know that, but you know. Or they're going to end up in the desert. They don't know that, but you know. Did you determine their destiny? Did you somehow, by looking at it, force them to go? No, they chose, but you could see in advance where they were going to end up. So the people that believe in Calvinism say predestination and foreknowledge are the same. So if God knows something, he causes it to happen. But I say, using that illustration, no, they're different. Just because God knows something doesn't mean he forces it. We still have the choice. And so sometimes we get in this, this um, maybe this conundrum, well, does God know if I'm going to be saved or not? Yes. Well, then it doesn't matter what I do. Whatever's going to be is going to be. And my answer is going to be, but what God knows is based on your choice. So you still need to choose. By grace, are you saved through faith? Well, you know, if I had time, I could give you a lot of scripture. For each of those five points, we can give you scripture. Um no, un- unconditional election, no, election based on foreknowledge, which in turn means election based on our response of faith. L, limited atonement, no, Jesus really died for the sins of the whole world. Um, you know, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, he's the propitiation for our sins or the sacrifice or atonement, not for ours, only the sins of the whole world. First Peter, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I, irresistible grace. Well, the Bible talks about people who resist grace, who fall from grace, who fail of the grace of God. And then perseverance of the saints. The Bible talks about people who start in faith, but do not continue in faith. James talks about James five. You convert someone who has gone astray. You, you win that soul from death. You know, first Peter two, it's better not to have known than to have known the truth and turn away from the truth. And finally, I would just say the whole Bible is full of admonitions. Deuteronomy admonishes Israel, choose life. You have a choice of life or death, choose life. Joshua, choose you this day whom you serve. For me and my house, we will choose the Lord. You know, the prophets, you know, choose what's right. And then in the New Testament, of of course, whosoever will, Revelation 22, 
whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The, the Bible is full of these admonitions. Are those all illusions where God says, you need to make a choice? Oh, but really, I already made it for you. It's just a joke. It's just an illusion. You're going through the motions, but really, I'm, I'm pulling the puppet strings. You think you're making a choice, but you're not making a choice. I'm the one manipulating you. Is the whole Bible just talking about illusion or manipulation or mirage? Or is it giving a real choice? And I think if you read the scripture honestly, it's giving a real choice. So under, under Calvinism, faith is just something God gives you. Under apostolic doctrine of the Bible, faith is an actual decision, an actual reliance and trust in response to God's grace. Repentance is an actual act. God works in you, but we let him. Uh, you must repent. Uh, you must be baptized in Jesus' name. Yes, God is the one who washes away your sins, but you have to show up and accept it. God fills you with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift, but you have to open your heart to receive. Um, holiness is God's work in you, but you must pursue holiness. It's not automatic. And if you don't pursue holiness, you won't see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. So the entire Bible would stand against the doctrine of Calvinism. We are saved by grace through faith, not our works, Yet, it is a real experience where we respond to God's grace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. Finally, join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.